0: Hello and welcome to Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm thrilled to bring back Pamela Wilson from Big Brand System. Last time she was on the show, we talked about systems and processes and collaboration, and it's been now, gosh, three years almost since she's been here. And in this conversation, we're talking about her brand new book, Master Content Strategy, and talk about creating content and the life cycle of content, creating new content, creating a lot of content, When you first get started, which seems almost antithetical because you're just getting started. And we also talk about having a simple yet strategic approach for your existing or new project that you're starting when it comes to creating content for your website, what your brand is going to be, what type of content you should be creating, how quickly you should be creating it, batch processing, all this kind of stuff. So I know a lot of you out there are creating content in various different mediums. We get into that as well. So if planning and strategy and content creation is your jam, this episode will also be your jam. You can let me know what flavor later. Enjoy this conversation with Pamela Wilson. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Pamela Wilson. Pamela, welcome back.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: So last time we were talking somewhat similarly in this vein of content, Content making, content strategy. Um, But you're further down the line in terms of your expertise. I would love it if you'd fill people in kind of like on your journey of how you got to this point.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I wrote this most recent book is that I had the experience of taking over the management of the editorial team at Copyblogger, and Copyblogger was a much larger blog than the one I had managed up until then, and it was a bigger audience, and it also had so much more content. And I saw this huge contrast between managing the content on a relatively young site like mine, and then managing the content on this more mature site. And so I wanted to write a book that recognized that, that there was kind of a life cycle to your website and a life cycle to your journey as a content creator, and just try to help people to make the most of that journey and understand what the different milestones are and, and all of that.
0: And I think if I can accurately describe, uh, the audience for this podcast, those that, uh, listen to it regularly aren't just coming here for the sake of productivity, but also for how to get better at, you know, strategy. That strategy is one of those things by having a plan and, you know, being flexible with the plan, but by having a plan, starting with a plan and creating content creating content that's not just for themselves, but for others that practicing in public that there's a lot of people out there that are listening to this and they're like, that's me. I'm raising my hand. And, uh, they want to know how to get from either doing nothing to starting, but also they want to know that if I start that I have a, a, blueprint, a guide in place to kind of know how to move into one of those longer, more mature, consistently publishing, whatever type of content, that there's longevity in the project. Does that make sense?
2: Right. Exactly. Yes. And that there is a plan and they sort of know how things may play out over time. Absolutely. And that was what I was trying to... I didn't see anyone else talking about this. So when that happens, I tend to want to write a book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I thought it was important people talk a lot about content strategy in terms of rankings and um, buyers journeys and um, conversions and all of those things are important. But I didn't see anyone talking about content strategy from the angle of you know, your website needs different things, and you are going to be capable of different things at different points in your content creator journey. So that's what I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to give people some kind of a a roadmap that they could follow.
0: Yeah. And so you have, basically. I mean, in, in the book's name is Master Content Strategy, How to Maximize Your Reach and Boost Your Bottom Line Every Time You Hit Publish. And I'm thinking for a lot of people, they're like, okay, but don't I have to ha- don't I have to hit publish many 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 times before <laughs> my bottom line starts to rise?
2: Yes, exactly. You know, one of the things I've thought about, do you have kids, Eric? I do. Okay. So you you're going to be able to relate to this. So I've always thought that content marketing was a little bit like raising kids. So when they are newborns or even when they're toddlers, say up until, you know, 2-3 years old, you're, you're just pouring all this effort into them. You're trying to give them a healthy environment. You're trying to make really smart, good daily decisions about what you feed them, how you treat them, how you interact with them. And so you you invest all this effort into your children, but you don't actually see the results of all those efforts mm sometimes for years, right? I mean, oftentimes you don't really see what kind of people they become until they go out into the world and they go off to school and you see how they deal with challenges that come up or how they interact with their friends. And that's when you start to see like all that effort that I made trying to help them share their toys. Like now I can see that they learned the lesson, right? (laughs) So, and I feel like content marketing is similar. Like you pour a lot of effort into it for sometimes for years and you may not see the results immediately. You may not see it for a long time. So one of the things that I tried to do was to turn the lens back on your journey as a content creator, because that's a journey that's a little bit easier to see the progress Um, because you can see that your confidence grows. You just feel it. There's like a shorter route between your content ideas and actually getting them into some kind of form that you can publish. And so when you see that building confidence as part of your journey, what you can do is start asking yourself to do things that are more complex. And that, of course, means that you're creating even better content. So that's one of the things that I try to put into the book so that you could, if you're, maybe you're not seeing huge bottom line results for months, but you can see the results in your own journey as a content creator.
0: Well, and when you just get started, uh, you know, your project, your your content, wherever it's living, um, and, and you're talking specifically about your own, owning your own site. You're not really talking like social media posts or different things like that. It's mostly yes. you owning it. Yeah.
2: I mean, some of what I teach you could definitely use in social media posts as well, but I think it's a larger challenge, frankly, to create really good content on your own website. And, and by the way, and we didn't say this at the very beginning, but I probably should go ahead and say this. My books are really not written for people who are professional writers. They're not written for people who are like born with a pen in their hand, right? (laughs) Um, And writing is not the day job of the people who read my books. Um, They're creating content, but they're creating content as one of many other things that they're doing throughout their day. And they're having to kind of juggle that with their everyday work that they have to do. So they're really written with that kind of person in mind. And that's the kind of person I was when I was starting out with content marketing. I was a designer, not a writer at all.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and when you come from that and you start something new, and again, it's it's your baby, uh, one of the again, you're not gonna see the quote results right away, but you know, you might still get, you know, to follow the metaphor through, you might still get some people who notice, quote, your baby, and they're like, oh, cute baby, right. or, you know, get yes. those, you get those comments like that.
2: Right. Absolutely. So. You get some feedback, you get some feedback, but you don't see big, big results sometimes for a long time. So it's important to kind of keep your spirits up and to see that it is an overall journey and you just have to do it step by step.
0: Building something out of scratch, or you know, over time, can be an overwhelming project. So, I mean, again, you are proposing, in terms of the the life cycle of what this project is, uh, to do a lot right at first, aren't you?
2: I am. So, um, do you want me to briefly go over this lifestyle yes, cycle concept? Actually, let's, so we-
0: yeah, let's get a big, let's get a macro uh, right. <laughs> insert here. I am feeling then we can like drill we down.
2: need to bring your listeners into the loop so they know what we're talking about. So the life cycle approach basically says, and it actually goes back to this analogy of um, children again, actually um, where in the first year of I, the inspiration came from a book called what to expect when you're expecting, which was like my Bible when I was expecting my kids. (laughs) So, um, and it, it details what to expect at different stages of the development of your pregnancy and your child and all of this. So, and if we apply these concepts to your website on a brand new website, there are certain things that you want to try to accomplish in the first year. And it's as much about just getting a lot of content on your site so you can start to rank for those topics as it is about building your skill as a content creator. So I'll go back and talk about my recommendations, but it's basically like the beginning to the first year, I recommend certain things. And then between years two and five, I recommend another set of things. And then from year six on, I recommend a different approach. So the first year really is about trying to publish if you can every single week. And that's again, so that the search engines start seeing that you have expertise around that topic. You are publishing consistently. It's also so that you grow your skill as a content creator and you grow your confidence. I mean, there's nothing better to grow your skill than just doing something over and over again. So that's an important aspect of that first year. I also think it's important to establish what categories you'll be using. So if you're using any kind of content management system, typically you start adding categories to your content so that people can go back and find it over time. So you want to start kind of looking at your categories. Maybe you have four or five to start And just making sure that you are publishing within those categories pretty consistently so that there's some kind of nice like through line through your content and people can understand what you're talking about. So that's really the goal in that first year is to just publish consistently, build your confidence, build your competency as a content creator. And then in the second year, you can build on that foundation that you've established Through in years two through five, let's say. So, what I say is if you need to, you can dial back to publishing every other week. And that's because if you publish every week in the first year, you have a pretty solid content foundation. And what I recommend in years two through five is that you really focus on publishing more in depth content. So, let's say for a podcaster, Maybe you start out just publishing 15 or 20 minute episodes once a week for the first year. Then in the second year, maybe you figure out a way to deliver your information in, in a way that's more helpful and more in depth. So your episode length gets longer, but maybe you just publish every other week. So it's, it's, a, it's a way to kind of give yourself the space and the time to create something more in depth. I also recommend if you're publishing a blog that you start adding multimedia at this point, wherever possible, because that also makes your content richer and it keeps people on the page longer. So that's things like adding more images, maybe adding a slide share deck to your post or adding a video, things like that. And then in, in year six and beyond, I mean, if you've been following this map in year six and beyond, you probably have a good 300 pieces of content. So this was the experience that I had when I took over the copy blogger blog, which at that point was, I think it was nine years old or something. And they had been publishing almost every single business day since the beginning. So they had masses of content and of course, super high quality content, right? (laughs) So, you know. What I used to tell people was, I feel like I took over as the head librarian at like the New York Public Library or something like this amazing, (laughs) or the Library of Congress, like it was this amazing collection of content. And so then your goal starts to be, you know, What can we do to surface and update the really strong content and make sure that people who are just finding us can find their way to this best content on our site? So you become a little bit of a librarian, a little bit of like a maintenance person, because you're doing some updates and keeping things fresh. So your role changes. And of course, after six years, it's not like you stop publishing, you can continue to publish At this point, you're probably pretty good at it. You know, you've been adding multimedia, you've been writing in-depth content. So you have like some serious chops at this point, but you add in this layer of like maintenance and and kind of directing people to the best information. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we've we've kind of alluded to that. There's not just you know blogging. There's you can you uh, you can be you can do audio, being a podcast. You can you can do blogging. That's text, obviously, to augment it later with other types of multimedia. You can do video. You can even do live video and then embed that on you know your site and then add show notes or things like that. And we can talk about like repurposing and branching out into those other pieces down the road. But my question to you is: you mentioned the word chops and. I think some people think, well, I I think I'll blog because, oh, no, podcasting freaks me out. But yet they may be better at podcasting and just don't know it. What type of content would you suggest we start with? Or is there a way to figure out, like, what medium are you, say, best suited for?
2: Oh, that is such a good question. And I got to tell you, um, when you have a book, you talk to a lot of people And you get a lot of the same questions, and I have never heard this one before. (laughs) So congratulations, you came up with a completely unique question. I, you know, I don't have a fantastic answer for that, to tell you the truth. I think people out of the gate have a sense for what they feel most comfortable doing. So I always tell people, build on what you think are your strengths, at least to start out. So. There are some people, and I'm sure you've met these people who are like, I cannot stand the sound of my voice. Like, right. I just can't stand it. And they find audio really daunting. They start like breaking out in a sweat when they're in front of a mic, right? And so I would say to those people, if it, if it feels deeply uncomfortable to you, just don't do it, you know, take the path of least resistance, because honestly, in the first year, it's more important to just show up on a consistent basis. Of course, we know that the opposite happens. So there are people who feel really uncomfortable trying to express their ideas in the written word, but you put a mic in front of them and they're all good and they can go on for hours. You know, they don't have any problem with that. So when I teach people to build their online business, um, like for example, I you know I have a membership community. And one of the things that I just recently taught was a lesson on creating your opt-in incentive. And that's how I taught it. I said, listen, build on your strengths. Don't all of the sudden try to master video because you think you have to do video. If you feel more comfortable writing, do a written opt-in incentive and create that. It's more important that the thing is done and out there and working for you, then, you know, you adopting this whole new skill set. I, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs who kind of, and I mean, I say this, I know this because I've done it myself. So I'm saying this with a ton of compassion because I just think it's a, it's like human nature, but a, a lot of people avoid committing to doing something by saying, I have to learn this new thing before I can do that, (laughs) right? So the learning that they undertake becomes almost like a delaying tactic, and learning feels comfortable. So I can understand why we would want to do that as humans. But I always recommend don't try to learn something new to create content. Try to just build on what already feels relatively natural for
0: you. Well, and learning can feel like progress without actually being action.
2: Exactly. So, right. Um, it's, yeah. Uh,
0: my it's story. It's tricky that way. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, um, so, for example, short, really short uh, synopsis. My story is this is not my first podcast. I was co hosted. Uh, I was a co host on a few other different shows back years before this one started. And so, by doing that, uh i knew i could and then i you know when those things kind of faded away i thought you know what i think i'm going to start a blog and then i was like what are you thinking dude don't start a blog that's harder right. Start exactly. a podcast because mm-hmm. you know that you're the kind of person who, uh, you know, uh, I already had the experience. So I had, or again, I had already built up my chops to a certain point, And then, ha- you know, and then since then, since starting the show, have learned along the course of time. And so now I feel confident in it. You know, right. Rightfully so. That's dependent upon the listener. But uh, there you go. So
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's the kind of thing, I mean, again, going back to this concept of a life cycle on your website, but also your life cycle as a content creator, you may start out saying the path of least resistance that builds on my existing skills is podcasting. So you do that, you get into the habit of putting a podcast out on a regular basis, you build systems for that, you have a routine that you follow, and it's all good. And then once you've got that under your belt, and you feel 100% comfortable with it, then maybe you say, you know, I'm going to create A PDF of my show notes and offer it as an opt-in incentive after every episode, something like that. So, but you don't necessarily want to do that in the first year. To me, that's something you would do in years two through five Mm -hmm. when you've built this beautiful foundation and you feel really confident in your skills. And then it's like you add complexity after that
0: and i think then you know obviously since this show is now oh gosh i should probably know this we're we're basically in year 7 so we're in wow. that long tail kind of, you know, we, we've got into, we've got into the maturity age, so to speak. Right. Well, Congratulations. Is my seven year old's not necessarily mature, but, uh, <laughs> which is funny because that is the same age as my son. Um, I, I think that then, yeah, there's other things that I can be doing. Like, for example, there's some, the, some writing things that I'm working on. There's even some, you know, transcripting. Uh, again, we, you branch out into the repurposing thing. So, so at this stage, it's like, okay, there is a consistency there. There is a confidence there. There's, uh, the content is out there. Um, and now it's, it's more about what you, what you can do with that. Uh, I do want to get into, so you, in that early stages and as you go for a while, you talk about, uh, foundational content. How do you decide what that is for you?
2: Most people, create content around a topic, right? And that topic is chosen based on the kind of customer that they're hoping to attract, the kind of listener they're hoping to attract, the kind of person they want to help. So I always recommend that you go back and really try to put yourself in the shoes of that person and understand what their challenges are and what obstacles they're facing and what you can do to help them. So I'm sure you have heard this before, but maybe your listeners haven't. One super easy way to think about foundational content is just to think about the kinds of questions those people are asking. You may have heard some of those questions yourself. If you've met with anyone who, who kind of fits the profile of an ideal customer, they may say, hey, how do you figure out this? Or how do you decide this? Or what are your resources for getting this done? So think about those kinds of questions. And then in your foundational content, just try to answer those questions. Because guess what? That's what they're searching the internet to find answers for. So that's a fantastic way to decide what to write about, what to record about in the early days.
0: And then as you're progressing, I know that you also talk about building on the content that you've already been doing. You know, once you've been consistent at it for a long time, uh, it's that idea of building on that content as a firm foundation and using it then to be seen, you know, by a wider audience.
2: Right. So, and that's about taking it outside of its original platform. But again, like, I feel like we have to give this some context. So, this is not advice for you. If you are in your first year, the only thing you need to focus on in that first year is just creating your content, your basic content, publishing it on a consistent basis, maybe creating some kind of system around getting that content created and building your skill level. So just focus on that in the first year. But once you have that nailed down, and you have it in place, then you can start saying like, okay, how can I go off site off the original site where my content is published, and get it onto different platforms. So that could be a lot of different things. And again, I recommend that you build on your existing skill set. So Let's say, like, we just gave the example of taking a podcast and creating a PDF, like a downloadable PDF of each episode, maybe with, like, a checklist. That could be something. If you're comfortable using um, Word or Pages, you that might feel like the most natural thing in the world to create, like, a worksheet that goes with every episode. But the other thing you can think about is things like doing a YouTube video, where you answer the top questions or doing a Facebook Live about each post that you that you um, publish, if it's a blog post, and then you embed that video back in the blog post. Maybe you love creating slides. Some people, some crazy people love creating slides. <laughs> I'm one of them. And maybe putting together a slide share that you put back on the blog post or back on the episode page, and then you embed it on LinkedIn, for example. So it's just, it's reaching out outside of the originating platform and getting your content into different places, but not all of them at once. It's the idea is to build on your existing strengths and just explore one platform at a time. So you don't overwhelm yourself. We don't want We don't want to build your to-do list and make it so long that it feels really daunting. And then you end up, you just stop publishing. I mean, that would be the worst thing, right? So it's doing it gradually so that you're just giving yourself little challenges to do a little bit more as your confidence grows
0: getting back to the reason behind having this strategy in place, especially if you're in the early stages, the getting started stage, or or say you've been around for a little while producing content and you're moving into these other stages, is that you don't overwhelm yourself. You don't bite off more than you can chew. You don't say, I'm going to repurpose this one new piece of content or even older pieces into like 20 different things all at once. Though I know there are people out there who are like, I can handle that. And I'm like, sure you can. I'm sure you Can But like most people need to, again, move into the next phase without having it be a a million mile long checklist of things to do. And by having this uh, scaling strategy, they can step each way through the process and not, um, again, overwhelm themselves and then completely quit.
2: Exactly. Right. And that would be the, that's the worst thing. And I see that happen all the time. And, you know, I have to say, I think part of the issue is just that we, we are operating in this environment on the internet, where it is so easy to see what everyone else is doing. And it's so easy to feel like, you know, I'm not doing enough, because look at this other person who's doing these seven things, you know, Um, And I'm not
0: even people who started after you did
2: exactly right. And that can feel really daunting. Um, But it's more important to stay consistent and build gradually and not give up. I mean, that's actually what's going to pay off. So, I mean, I I come from the era where for you to find out, like, to do, like, competitive research on what your competitors were doing, you used to have to call them and ask them to mail you a brochure, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So, but nowadays, all you have to do is plug in a URL and you can see exactly what your competitors are doing. And, and that, I mean, it's awesome. And it's also very intimidating, you know, you can feel like, why am I even going to start? I should just throw in the towel before I even start. It's not worth it. So I just encourage people stay the course, realize that your development as a content creator is yours alone. And it's more important to just stay in the game and keep going because the payoff comes over time. And if you give up too soon, You'll never get to see that
0: pay off. Mm-hmm. Well, and then for those over ambitious people who want to plan, you know, years out in advance, uh, they can do that, but they should do that more with, say, their content plan, specifically what they're going to create when whether it's a monthly or a quarterly or a yearly uh, kind of checklist.
2: Exactly. and And the thing about content marketing is the best content marketing is responding to your audience members and your audience members may shift a little bit over time, right? The kinds of issues they're dealing with may shift. So it's always good to make plans, but I always recommend that you write those plans in pencil (laughs) because there's a good chance that something may come up down the road and, and you want to try to be responsive to your audience. So You may send out an email, for example, and somebody responds to an email and tells you about something that they're struggling with, or maybe you even get a couple of emails that say the same thing. I'm struggling to understand this. And, you know, you may have a piece of content planned and you may decide to push that forward to a different date and address this specific problem that came into your inbox. So, you know, make plans, but stay flexible. That's what I recommend.
0: Yeah. Well, and even just, I think it was two or three or so episodes ago, uh, I put out the call there to the listeners. And I'm I'm still receiving emails, by the way, from this. I, I told people, uh, I'm not going to reveal what the idea is that I am working on a book about. But if you'd like to hear it, Uh, you can email me and then I would ask you for your feedback. And I've gotten a number of people who, uh, I have now received an email from and I have responded to the email and said, this is the title of the book or not the title, but the topic of the book. And here is my question for you. And then they've written me back like paragraphs like, Oh my gosh, that is a pain point for me. Here's my, here's my bulleted list of all the different things that are wrong with that specific. Thing topic of book and i'm not i'm again i'm still not going to reveal it here yet uh,
2: <laughs> I love it. It's such a cliffhanger. So that is such a great idea and as someone who's written a couple of books I can tell you that It is so motivating to know that all that hard work that you're pouring into your book is actually going to help people because mm-hmm. a lot of times in the early days you're not really sure. So I think you're so smart that you reached out and you're sharing the topic with a limited number of people and then getting that kind of feedback. I mean that that's going to be the wind be the wind beneath your, I don't know, keyboard fingers or something. <laughs> It'll keep you going. Yeah. I love that.
0: And and the other cute cool thing here, and again, and this is still an open invitation to anybody listening right now, but These are the people who have listened to the show. They've listened in to a certain point. They are tracking with me. like That somebody is going to actually reach out via email after hearing the invitation is a person that I want to get to know more. It's a person who I want to help with their problems. It's a person who I want their feedback from because they've invested time listening to this show over the long haul. And I, one, really appreciate that. But two... Again, I want to get their insight and in how to best serve them.
2: Right. That's such a great idea. Well, you, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. So
0: uh <laughs> by, by the way, I'll say uh feedback at beyond the to do dot com is where uh you can email me if you're interested. Love so, it. So one of the things that even now, as somebody who's been doing podcasting for a while, uh I need to uh you know, I need to take a pause and say, Hey, I need to come up with new ideas for what to do a show about new guests, new topics, revisiting old topics, bringing old guests on like yourself, bringing them back. Uh, You've got something, though, called the four-day content creation system. I'd love to have you walk us through that.
2: You know, this four-day content creation system came about because I recognized after doing creative work for more than 30 years that my best work never happened in a single marathon session. It always happened when I spread it out over several days. So I started to realize when I was back in the early days of my own blog trying to publish every single week that it was much easier if I kind of assigned different tasks to different days of the week, because then it it became like this automated thing. Like if today is Tuesday, I must be doing X, Right. So it just made content creation a part of my routine. So later what I did is I kind of wrote, wrote down the system. I shared it on Copyblogger as a guest post, actually, and it became one of their most popular posts on the blog. Um, but basically, it's it's a system where you decide what day you want to publish. So let's say you're going to publish on Wednesday. So then you back up. And you start four days earlier. And on day one, you try to just write out your headline for the piece of content and then your subheads. And in your case, with a podcast, your subheads could just kind of be the different questions you're going to ask or the different sections you want to make sure you cover. And then you do that and you step away. So you don't worry about anything beyond creating that initial structure on the first day. Then on the second day, if you're writing a blog post, you try to get that first draft written from start to finish. It doesn't have to be perfect. You have another full day to devote to editing. So it doesn't have to be polished in any way, but it just has to be done. And in the case of a podcast, for example, you might be doing the recording on day two. So you've got the basic structure. You have an idea of where you want to go with the content on day one. And on day two, you just kind of get that first draft created. In your case, it might be like this recording, which we're making right now, which is not perfect, but it's going to be done in a few minutes, right? And then on day three, you're just going to devote that whole chunk of time to polishing the piece of content. So if it's written content, you'll reread it. You'll make sure it's all polished up grammatically, that it doesn't have any spelling mistakes. You'll go back and format it. So you might add bulleted lists. You might add block quotes. You want to make sure you have plenty of subheads to take people through the copy. You just polish it. And in your case, you might be polishing your recording. So you put it into a final format. And then on day four, you publish it. So that's a day when you're doing a lot of promotional pushes. So you're making sure that you get it out on all the social media platforms where you're active and you're probably emailing your email list with a new piece of content. You're just out there kind of advocating for your piece of content really intensely on that first day, especially because it's like, It's a brand new piece of content. You're going to be sending out birth announcements, right? (laughs) And letting people know it's out in the world. So I think when you do it this way, it never needs to feel like something that eats up all your time. You just devote little chunks of time to it over several days. And the beauty of approaching it this way is that you're able to see it again with fresh eyes several times before it actually publishes. So the kind of people that I write for aren't lucky enough to have like an editor on staff who can be a second set of eyes to listen to their content, to watch their content, to read their content. So this is a way for you to really edit your own content and see it with fresh eyes several times so that you can just continue to make it better until it's finally ready to publish.
0: That's perfect. Yeah. And I was going to even throw in there that it, we talked earlier about chops. Well, if you can get to the point where you can go through these four days and even do more than just one piece of content that's moved through, but say on like, you know, whatever day, I can't remember which day it was day two or day three, where I was going to edit the audio. Like if I'm in that, editing mode already, then going through a second or even third episode that I've pre-recorded at that same point is a great way to batch process.
2: I love that. But I got to tell you, Eric, that is spoken like a man who has had a podcast for seven (laughs) years. Yes. And and you're right. I, I just always try to have compassion with people who are just starting out because honestly, the concept of you know, editing more than one podcast in a day, they may just feel like I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, someday you'll be like Eric and you'll be (laughs) like, you know, I'm in editing mode. Let me go ahead and do two more. (laughs) Right. Um, But that doesn't happen at the very beginning. I mean, you work your way up to that.
0: Exactly. That's one of those things where you've got to pace yourself you have to have a scaling in mind, and you've got to have that strategy in place. And so, again, uh, I, I got to go back and say, if you can go through that four days uh, enough times to where you want to try it by doing, you know, again, keep in mind you're doubling your your output at that point by doing even just one more through that same time frame. Um, yes, but yeah. again, if you're publishing weekly. It can be helpful. It may be even one of those things where you try it once just so that you've got um, a buffer to be able to go on vacation.
2: Right. Yes. So. Yeah.
0: Not to be taken lightly, but (laughs) definitely something to maybe consider working your way up to over time.
2: Absolutely. I think it's something to aspire to for sure. And you'll get there if you keep going. You will get there.
0: Pam, it, it has been awesome talking with you. I think this is really be helpful. I know the book is also going to be very helpful. Uh, for people that are interested, um, where would you like for them to go to find out more?
2: The best place to find out more about everything I do is my website, bigbrandsystem.com. And the book is right there in the menu so they can just find it in the drop down. So they it's available in print, Kindle, Apple Books, um audible like all the formats so nice. and i read it myself so if you enjoyed this podcast and you can stand to hear another five hours of my voice you can listen <laughs> to it all lots of different formats for people to choose from
0: awesome well thank you so much for being here and i'll make sure to to link all that up in the show notes uh great talking with you
2: it was great talking with you too eric thank you so much
0: Well, that wraps up another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am so thankful to be able to have talked with Pamela. I hope you got a lot out of it. I know I did, partly because I got confirmation that I'm doing things right to a certain extent, but also it brought more clarity to some of the things that I know I still need to be doing and or building or planning to build down the road. So I'm curious to where you are in your content strategy, where your hangups are. You can let me know by going to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com slash 261. There you can also share this episode with somebody, some marketer, some content creator that you know needs to hear this episode. The share buttons are there. Hit them. Share it. I have a text thread where I share specific podcast episodes with a few certain friends, and that's all we're allowed to put in that text thread. So I encourage you maybe do that with some of your friends and throw this one in there. Anyway, I'd love to know what you think and where you're at. Again, beyond the to-do slash 261. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next episode.